0: This is Annette Abena, and welcome to Diaspora Talks. Diaspora Talks is a podcast connected Africa's fastest growing businesses with the diaspora. Who are Africa's most exciting businesses? Who are the entrepreneurs behind the brands? Where are the opportunities for us to invest? I started this podcast to bridge the gap between the diaspora and Africa by telling the stories of African founders globally. You can hear these stories on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud and all other major podcasting platforms. Stay tuned. This is Annette Abner and welcome to Diaspora Talks. Now, for many of us in the diaspora, insurance is an everyday concept. From our mobile phones, our cars, to life and health insurance, we're used to this concept of protecting ourselves in case something goes wrong. But in Africa, where insurance penetration is less than 3%, this is pretty much a foreign concept to most. Now, at today I'm joined by the head of growth at Takaro, Annalise Francis. Takaro is a health tech startup, health tech, insure tech startup that is providing simple and affordable medical cover to underserved and unserved communities currently in Kenya and Uganda, founded in 2018. Now, welcome, Annalise. It's great to have you. Hi, nice to be here. Great. Now, um, I know this is going to be a very interesting conversation. It's something that I think like I mentioned, many of us in the diaspora are a bit alien to you, um, or don't understand the concept of not having insurance and not having cover when things go wrong. So I'm really interested to hear more about what you and Taraka are doing. Um, but before that, Annalise, I wanted to um, hear a bit, little bit more about yourself and your background. Um, so what I know from, I guess the internet, and, and a little stalking, <laughs> um, is that I know you spent a few years now um, working in tech in East Africa, namely in Kenya and Uganda. Um, you were formerly the head of operations at Bitpesa in Kenya. Um, before that, you were the program director at CAD Africa in Uganda, which I believe is an agri-tech um, business. But it'll be great to hear more about your personal journey into tech as well, um, and just to hear a little bit more from you um, beyond, you know, what the socials say.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's so funny when people ask me, like, how did you get into tech? And I'm just like, I just work for cool companies that I like. And um, I think our mission aligned with how I want to live my life. Um, So yeah, a little background on me. Uh, I was born in Jamaica, moved to the States when I was five, grew up in New York, just outside of uh, New York City. Um, and knew I always wanted to do something international. I think that's because I was living in a country that I wasn't from and living in surroundings with a lot of different cultures, religion, et- ethnicities around me. Um, so I my background is very varied in what I've done um, but it always has been centered around financial inclusion and gender empowerment, economic empowerment, um, first started out at Council on Foreign Relations in New York, which is a foreign policy think tank, um, running uh, their meetings program and, and putting on events around uh, financial inclusion gender empowerment. Was there for a few years, then left um, and worked for a nonprofit business accelerator that was providing pro bono consulting services to mainly women-owned businesses in conflict-affected countries. So was the program manager for Central America and working with really amazing small and medium-sized businesses to figure out how do we accelerate your business? Is it through marketing efforts? Is it, do you have a a warehouse and we need to optimize that and finding the the mentors, um, generally a little bit US-based that would either fly to El Salvador or Guatemala and and visit them and really form that relationship and mentorship to, to guide them along. And loved what I was doing, but I was doing, um, I was in the headquarters in New York and only going to South uh, Central America, I don't know, one or two times a year and didn't really feel as connected to the businesses that I was working with. And um, a while ago, well, a couple of years ago, before I started that job, I had done a project in Rwanda and knew that I wasn't, after I left Kigali. When I was spending like a month or so there, I knew I wasn't done with the region. I just felt um, like I wanted to know more, and just felt like there was a lot of interesting things happening. And uh, at first, was looking at moving into Nairobi. And I'm speaking to you from my my backyard in in Nairobi. Um, but it, it's hard job searching from New York City yeah. to. Mm-hmm to East Africa and and wasn't immediately finding things of interest and I wasn't 100% ready to just make the jump and just move there. Um, And a a very good friend of mine uh, in New York uh, runs her organization in northern Uganda and we were sitting in our Tribeca downtown co-working space and she was talking about this accelerator program that she was applying to in Kampala. And she was like, hey, they are looking for a VP of mentorship and it's literally what you're doing right now. Wow. So um, at the time it was called Unreasonable East Africa uh, based in Kampala, they're now called Shona. And I applied and, and a couple of weeks later moved to Kampala, Uganda wow. and was running a business accelerator that was focused on um, social impact startups within East Africa and kind of immediately. And I think what was very opportune for me having that role was immediately like embedded within the ecosystem. I was a person that had to network and find really cool CEOs or heads of whatever to convince them to come, you know, be a part of this mentorship program and mentor really young businesses throughout Kenya, Uganda, and and, and TZ at the time. So did that for a year, met a lot of really, really cool people, really cool businesses. And after a couple of years of running accelerators, you get so excited about the business and you can see their growth. And then that cohort graduates and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I was like, I wanna actually really be in a company. And uh, then got connected to a company in Western Uganda called CAD Africa, right. um, it's a commercial passion fruit farm. Uh, in Fort Portal, Uganda, super cool business, and um, ran the impact side of, of the business for a few years, which trains out of school girls within Western Uganda, um, who realistically are, you know, adolescent girls out of school. Majority of the time, they're they're pregnant. Those schools are not; those girls are not going back to school. So, what the company decided to do was. How do we help give them skills, both hard and soft? So giving them access to land through partnerships with churches, which are the largest land owners in Uganda, giving them the agricultural training, the seeds, the inputs, and being the marketplace for them. So when they harvest, Cat Africa buys back the fruit. So it's kind of this uh, full circle uh, uh, program for them. But at the same time, looking at these women and saying, these young women and saying, um, we don't want to just give you money. We want to give you... Real life skills, so you know what to do with your money. You know what to do with your 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 children, your family. How to educate them. How to do proper nutrition. So, really a wonderful program that I was super. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for portal for me in, in Uganda is where I consider home. Um, the people that I worked with, the girl, the girls that were in a program, you can see the growth um, over a few years. It was really amazing. Um, so did that for a few years and needed i have the the itch to get back to a city i'm a i'm a city girl (laughs) and uh, i as much as like i loved it i never thought i'd be working on a farm or know how to do anything with passion fruit it was just like okay it's time to get back to a city and um wasn't sure if i was going to stay in the region or move back to new york i went home to new york for for a few months and said okay i think i want to try nairobi and I felt confident at that time and I just moved to Nairobi without a job. Wow. And I gave myself three months to figure it out and then I landed um, a couple of offers within like six weeks. Wow. And so, yeah, that's when I, I joined Bipesa. Um, loved it, really great experience. Got to see a lot of countries and help them open up some markets and just kind of establish operations that they were doing. Um, but wanted to get back to something that was a little bit more community social impact related. And uh, around that, that time that I was kind of feeling that itch of, okay, I want to use my skills for good. For me, I want to be a part of a company that's really mission aligned and, and values aligned and and really like, have a clear idea of like this is why I'm waking up every day. Mm-hmm. And um, got connected to the the CEO of, of Toraco, who I've known for many years throughout uh, my time in East Africa and and said, hey, I'm building this business. It's about insurance. And I was like, huh? Like <laughs> I barely like I have insurance and uh right. Right. Yeah, uh, like I go to the doctor every now and, then, but, and he was like, "Look, I need it's super small right now, and I need someone who's just an operator who can just do stuff." And that's kind of how he knows me. Of just, I just like run around and get stuff done. And so I joined Turaco, um almost two years ago when it was like four of us, four or five of us in total in both countries. And now we're. I think we're 45. And so I've done every role. I've done BD, I've done sales, I've spoken to investors, I've been our security guard, I've been our, our fix the copying <laughs> machine, I've bought the plates for the new office. So I think what's been really interesting is my background has started very nonprofit and has moved more into the for-profit space, but always around social impact.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I don't know if I'm someone who's immediately like I want to work for a tech company it just kind of is the future of how things are growing within Africa especially East Africa and for me it's about the mission it's about the people it's about really on a daily basis talking about why we're doing what we're doing and that's something that we're really focused at at Turaco yeah
0: no I absolutely love that Anneliese and I think Um, For many people listening, it's probably very refreshing to hear your background, you know, particularly as someone, like you mentioned, you were born in Jamaica, um, grew up in New York, so not necessarily having a connection to Africa, as many people think you would have to have in order to move back and make an impact. And then also, like you mentioned, coming from a non-profit background, but then moving into tech, so non-technical person, making an impact in tech, Um, I think that is something that many people don't hear too often. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, that is what scares many people from the tech industry. But really, Mm -hmm. as we both know, tech is really just a means to an end. It's really just a tool that we use to drive the impact that we need to. to. Um, And so people shouldn't fear that idea Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And you mentioned insurance as well, you know, especially for many of us, you know, like growing up in New York or London, the idea of insurance seems very scuffy, very, the, the personage insurance is, you know, that uh, white male, um, uh, mm. pale and stale, as they say. Um, but this is something that can really drive, impact and empower people. And I hope we'll go into that a little more when we talk oh. about the um, current as well um but my first question for you actually um is something that I want to ask all my sort of entrepreneurial founder members um guests excuse me is about around myth busting in the industry so Mm -hmm. I really want you to if you could just think of one uh, myth that you'd like to dispel about insure tech health tech in your industry, particularly in East Africa that you'd like to share with my audience, that would be amazing.
1: Okay, so when I, okay, that's a good question. When you think about insure tech, health tech, well, what's funny whenever I talk about Turaco to people, they're like, oh, but you guys don't have an app. And I'm like, no, no one in a village is going to buy, one, do they have a smartphone? And two, if insurance, in general is not um, seen as really trustworthy. It's seen as something that kind of is a scam. If I don't claim, can I get my money back? And you have to explain that. Why are they going to buy it off of an app? And so I think, and I sometimes go to these fintech conferences and it's just all about these apps. And I just sit there and I'm like, who's using this app? (laughs) I know that you raised VC money from the US or Europe off of the app, but. Is your customer really using that app? And so I think at Toraco, our tech is a little bit more back office. Um, are there things that we think about in the you know when we think about our vision that our customer facing? Yes, but we're not there yet. And so I think when people think about getting into insure tech or health tech or whatever the tech is, that it has to be an app that your customers are always going to use. That um, not to say that customers are not using that, but for us at are they're not going to open an app and buy insurance randomly off of some platform and just immediately, like, they're just not going to use it. And so I I think that is what people generally think about when they think about the tech space, that whatever you're doing, or product or service has to be Mm app-based. And I think what we at Toraco are are focused on is people-based, developing really close relationships with our business partners who we um, sell and distribute insurance through, and actually developing relationships with our end users, our customers, um, really focused on our brand, our tone of voice, how we engage with them on all different aspects and all channels. So, I don't know. I, I tend to be the curmudgeon when I go to um, uh, conferences. I have like rolling or eyes like, God. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not on the roadmap at any point because no one's going to use it. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, so I think that, to me, is one of the biggest things, yeah.
0: No, that, that is super interesting. So then tell me, how does Tarako access its customers? If, so, yeah. for example, I am a user of Tarako or want to be a user of Tarako and I want to be insured, I want um, health insurance, how exactly can I access it then, if not by an app? Yeah,
1: yeah so the beauty of what Tarako does um, is working through business partnerships We know that insurance is not seen as trustworthy um, and also in some ways are not interested in having a huge field agent workforce that's just all around Africa. So we look for business partners that are values aligned, missions aligned with us, and work with them to understand what are your challenges, opportunities within your core business, um, and how can we apply insurance in an innovative way to help you achieve that, as well as bringing um, really cool products to the people that Either buy things from you, or within your kind of workforce and gig economy, maybe they're agents. And so, an easy example is uh, a company called Safeboda. Um, so, Safeboda, for for people that might know, um, are are based in in, in Uganda. Um, they were in Kenya, um, taking a little bit of pause, they're also in Nigeria and. Basically, it's like an Uber for Boda Bodas, which is motorcycle taxis here. Um, and so those Safe Boda Riders are paid from, a, from the app, from the Safe Boda app. So I, as a customer, can order a, a Boda from that app. And when I pay that, that Boda rider, it can, they get paid through their app and through a variety of different services. So we partner with Safe Boda. Um, they want to, like a lot of players within the gig economy space, they wanna create loyalty and retention within their space because all these writers on Uber, on Bolt, on whatever is coming up. And so um, how can we give them something, um, offering them a really cool and uh, affordable insurance product so that they're a little bit more loyal to, to our company. Yeah. So what we do is partner with Safeboda um, and distribute our insurance products. So with Safeboda, we've got an accident insurance Boat, boat riders are very risky. They get into accidents a lot. And so boater riders are paying it's like $2 a month, um, to access accident insurance that goes up to about like four or $500. So the idea of partnering with a, a business is people, you might get them to say, I want insurance, but parting with that one, paying a 12-month policy, which is what traditional insurers want you to do, is super expensive for your everyday person within our markets. Mm -hmm. Um, So right up front there is, how do we make it more digestible? So breaking it up into monthly payments. Um, And realistically, we've tried this to get them to pay us month over month and kind of making it a subscription model. They're just not going to. Mm -hmm. And so looking for partners that um, have a financial transaction Um, with our end users. And so how can we kind of embed ourselves within that financial transaction? So you're getting someone to really just say once, making the cognitive decision, I want insurance, I wanna protect myself, I wanna protect my family, but they're not feeling it on a monthly basis. Um, I think for us in the the diaspora, the the example I I like to give all the time is Netflix. If you had to key into Netflix every time your credit card, you would never have Netflix. But every month you're like, oh, I have Netflix and it's just taken away. So that's what we're trying to do with 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 microinsurance is getting someone to a place where they make that decision. I want to take care of myself and not have to, feel the emotional parting every month with their money. They're already using safe photo services. They're using, you know, a pay go solar light. They're paying off a loan. So kind of embedding embedding an insurance product with uh, a payment that they're already having. Uh, We've just seen really great uptake from that and really great retention. We've got like 90% month on month for our customers when we can really structure a partnership and how that financial transaction will, will happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really smart. Actually. I think, um, again, relating to what you said previously about the idea of you must have an app when you, when you are working in tech, um, the key being embedding into existing practices and existing ideals the way people do life um because i think the danger is is to come into the onto the continent into certain markets and try to apply the same things or the same ideals that you understand from another market and that can be incredibly dangerous because you know you can waste a lot of money but of course it could be quite harmful because if you are attempting to change the way people do life you're not mm-hmm. going to get anywhere. So I think yeah. that's really, really, really um, empowering. Um, so actually I wanted to ask them, but since we're talking about health um, and insurance, um, of course we have to talk about the, the current global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine that COVID has had an impact on your business, but it'll be interesting to know how, because I can imagine it could it could be either way, you know, um, especially if, um, Right now, on one side, um, health insurance could be something that people want to take up. The idea of it is it could be that, you know, now I understand that the fragility of life, you know, things are very difficult at the moment. I should cover myself and my family. But on the other side, maybe people's incomes are at a loss. They're, it's reducing. Can they afford to do this? So where does Tarako stand at the moment? How has the pandemic impacted business, if at all?
1: Yeah, no, it it definitely has impacted. Um, so, I would say, yeah, in early 2020 to mid 2020, um, yeah, we definitely saw revenues go down. Um, we are in some ways as successful as our partners are successful. Right. So if our partners' core operations take a hit, um, and they might have to let go of of staff or writers are not writing on the app as much or people are defaulting on loans there there's no insurance products so yeah we definitely saw um, uh, what was interesting is we saw a hit in in our existing partnerships but a lot more eagerness for potential partners to up to start a conversation with us one because people might want to take care of the people within their immediate circle. So um, a lot of conversations with people um, that have an agent workforce that um, because they're not technically an employee, they're really not giving them insurance, but they want to take care of them. So, you know, how do we tie, sorry, you might hear some birds in the background. Um, (laughs) How do we tie, you know, offering an insurance Package with you know hitting your sales target, or how do we just outright pay for something that is much more affordable um, than the traditional insurance package? So in some ways, the demand to have a conversation with us at ToroCo and people that we were trying to talk to forever, all of a sudden, were calling us and like, let's have a meeting. This sounds really cool. Um, and on the and when you also think about it, if your core operations are 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 shut, um, not shut down, but slow down, and we. Uh, Do rev share with with our partners that let us um, sell through them as a distribution channel, Um, maybe selling insurance through us is a way for us to get some revenues back up as well, so it's been interesting in the sense of yeah took a couple of months of uh, seeing revenues go down, Um, I would say, probably around August. Um, we've seen it go up and it and and now we're starting to do a lot more launches and introduce products into existing um, partners that we have. So it does feel a little bit in Kenya, Uganda, that uh, the economy is picking back up again. People's core operations are, are kind of getting back used to um, what they were. So, yeah, I think for us, we we did see a hit externally and internally and in how we had to kind of um, kind of regroup as a company. and. And go kind of into wartime um, and what we what we did and having a leadership call every single day and talk about cash flow um, and where are we spending our time. We might have done something wanted to do something cool, but like that's not gonna make us any money or that's uh-huh. not gonna serve the customer. So, yeah, there were a couple of months that it was like wartime leadership teams every single day, an hour. Um, I've never talked about cash this much in my life. And like, <laughs> if we look at this payment, what's going to happen? If we don't give that payment to our underwriting partners, what's going to happen? So um, so that's a little bit about like Turaco as a company. Um, and then the end user. Yeah, I mean, there were tough conversations that we in our call center were hearing and in the field we're hearing of people saying, I want to buy this insurance cover mm. and it is super affordable, but I'm not working. And I have you know, $50 in my pocket or in my bank account. And as much as I understand the, the, the need and the value to take care of myself, I also need to pay for my family. So that, that was definitely difficult. And I think we, we reassessed some of our products at that time and um, worked really hard with our underwriting partners to make sure COVID was going to be covered. Through us because that was a little bit of a fear in the beginning that mm-hmm. uh, insurers were not going to pay out for a COVID claim. And we wanted to make sure anyone who would take a Turaco insurance, especially for like a hospitalization insurance in Kenya or Uganda would be covered. Um, and made a decision of like, okay, we're going to take a little bit of a hit profit wise. Um, the next couple months to a year and we just want to make sure people are covered Mm -hmm. so definitely dropped our prices down through some of our partnerships to make sure okay we're not we're like making enough to like cover some bills but we weren't it wasn't about like getting a lot of um a high profit from this it was about making sure people could be protected people wouldn't um have that fear of a a financial shock, which is kind of the mission of Turaco, is to free them from that um, and just really work with our our business partners to figure out how do we creatively um, sell or potentially give insurance to people within your your networks.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I guess also personally as well, you know, you are the head of growth. So I can imagine like (laughs) at this point, there ain't no growth. So what, what, how, what are you thinking? What's your, what's your thought process at this time?
1: So it's funny because, you know, everyone's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I just do stuff. Like, (laughs) like even two years later, I'm like, I just do stuff. So the way that I look at my role is the, the, the two, it's not the two things, but the two things that I oversee that are core at Taraka are our business partnerships and our end users. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growth to me was one at that point was retention of mm-hmm. business partners and, and our existing customers. Um, and it's really understanding what they're going through on both sides and how do we figure out as a company, if there's a way that we can address those needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in one sense, growth turned into retention, um, but also still like calling people, banging down doors, seeing who's going to have a partnership meeting with us and letting, trying to convince them like there's still a way to have a new product within your portfolio. And with a partnership with us, there's a revenue share that we can do that you're growing and we're growing. Um, So yeah, I think growth for the probably up until like last quarter of, of, of last year was let's retain, um, uh, let's just make sure nothing falls through the cracks. There's a lot of just looking at existing operations. Um, and in one sense, I think allowed us to put some processes in place that yeah. because we weren't launching a bunch of stuff all at once, which we typically are. We're like, OK, we can do a little bit of external cleanup, which the back office growth will allow us when things pick up, um, which they are now to handle um, handle the, the volume that we're seeing now. So yeah, I would say growth was just um, let's survive and let's retain as much as possible. And even maybe, for instance, if we pause the partnership, um, or customers fell off was trying to figure out how do we still maintain that relationship so that when that business partner feels that their core operations are 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 back up and running we're going to be um ready to go with them and they're going to still be top of or turaco is still going to be top of mind for them
0: yeah i like the idea of the the idea of growth or the definition of growth have an ability to change depending on you know where you're at as a business and I think that's very important to be flexible and also not to be I guess um stubborn when it comes to what you feel like your goals have to be or what your what your um what your targets have to be as a business because I feel like COVID and the pandemic has really shown us that anything can happen and you just to adapt and you have to go back to the drawing board and be able to understand okay what do we really need what's really important to both our users and our partners so yeah. that's really really interesting um but thank mm-hmm. you so much for all that insight into Tarako especially I think it's a super interesting business I'm really looking forward to the growth um I know that you've recently um raised some more funding to mm-hmm. expand so that's really super interesting so I guess anyone who's listening that wants to follow t- um Tarako, I know that you're looking to expand um, as well into new markets so that's really cool. Um, I wanted to um, go back to um, something that we have talked about earlier in this discussion and of course um, really ties into the whole concept of this podcast which is about individuals in the diaspora um, particularly making an impact um, on the continent and you have done just that um, giving your career, your experience and so far so I wanted to just end our conversation just exploring, you know, tips for those who are listening who want to have um, similar careers, similar impact or um, about how you made the transition from um, New York to um, the likes of Uganda and Kenya, because what you, um, how you introduce yourself, I was, I was like blown away by the fact that one, you didn't, like I said, didn't ha- particularly have those traditional ties to Africa um, as many would, would think so. And also you kind of just went for it. You just said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And I, I just did it. Um, yeah. so yeah. So please share your tips with us and anything, especially like things that you think, okay, I wish I would have known, um, and something that you would tell yourself <laughs> maybe about a few years ago. Um, yeah. That's interesting.
1: Cause I, I, I hear that a lot from people like you just did it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, like I don't know. It's just not. It's not something I ever thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I moved to Uganda, I knew one person, and she wasn't mm-hmm. Uganda. She was my friend from New York who ran her organization there, um, and then yeah, built built a network over the last six years. Um, yeah, I would say it's it's hard to find the job from from the states or Europe or the UK or wherever you are. Um, If there is, and I know this is a little bit probably hard in the COVID world, even though uh, things are not as crazy on the continent as they are elsewhere. Um, My advice is if there's a country you're interested in, um, take a trip there Mm. um, and try and meet as many people and have as many coffees as you can. Um, One thing that I was really surprised about when I moved to Kenya and said I was going to move and had already a decent network and honestly I just was like I'm calling everyone I know even if I spoke to you once if I spoke to you once and you I got like a decent vibe I called you and I let you knew I was in Nairobi or was moving to Nairobi I want to have coffee with you or can you link me to someone and I was like an insane person people were like <laughs> see you all over town I saw you and the north of the city, then the west, and then south, like all in the same day. I was like, yeah, this was a full-time job. I woke up every day. And if I was like, I don't have three coffees, then what What did I do today? Yeah. And every person I spoke to, I went into that meeting being like, there are some people I knew I was like, I'm not really going to get anything, but I want to make a good enough impression that you're going to give me two extra names to speak to. Right. So you really have to be like a networking, you just have to ne- You just have to hustle. Um, yeah. And I think one, just being in person, um, I think the move to to Nairobi for me was like, yeah, I just want a little bit of a fuller life. I want to live in a city. I want to do something cool. But it's also about my off time and what I want to do there. Is this a city that vibes with me? So I do find people who are like, I want to work in tech and I want to do this. But I'm like, how do you want to spend your life? Like, yeah you want to live in that country because it's rough there (laughs) so I, i i would say take a trip if you can if it's just two weeks and have a pack two weeks um meet people get to understand the ecosystem a little bit um have those coffees um and then also like see if this is a place that you want to live in i think that's super important um i think in terms of something you you said about before like people wanting to make the transition from whatever they're in into The fintech space or startup. Um, Yeah, I'm not a technical person. Sometimes I sit on technical calls and I'm like, what is happening? Okay. Is that, is it going to break? Cool. Let's do it. Here's budget approved. (laughs) Um, um, But I have always one looked at the company, what their mission is, what they're doing. Do, have I met some people on the team Um, is this a place that I want to work at as well? Um, and really like taking a step back and it's like, what are you good Annalise? Like, what are you good at? And I'm, I'm, I'm an operator. I'm, I'm a strategic person. I'm, I'm that person who can just get stuff done. I might not know how to do it. I never thought I would work in insurance, but now I'm sitting in a meeting with underwriters or having a BD conversation about this product and how we're pricing it. Um, so I think you just have to sit back and, and, and look at your skills and experiences. Um, it might not be a direct alignment, but that FinTech might need um, someone who's just got a really heavy operations background and you can make some uh, alignments to that. Or um, maybe you have a background in accounting and. They're hiring for an accountant. So, I, or you're doing something in marketing, it might be a different space, but you can, you know, bring your skills there. So, I've always looked at roles that I'm like, okay, this seems cool, not a hundred percent fit. But some of those things that they're saying I would do, I've done at other places and I've done them really well and kind of talked that up. Um, so, yeah, I would say if you can visit and, get some FaceTime with people. And I found that when people see one person, they're like, oh, this is like, she's going to stay. Yes, um, yeah. if she, she's serious. Then they'll be inclined to have a coffee with you. And again, I was really surprised at the amount of people who were so generous with their time when I moved here and so generous to intro- introduce me to people. Um, I never met anyone who didn't take a phone call with me or who didn't, introduce me to someone after meeting me. I was really surprised. And so, yeah, I try to do that with my time when people want to just have a phone call with me or have a coffee um, just for me to tell them about my experience. Um, even if I'm busy, I'm like, you know what? Someone did this for me. And that's, I think that's a little bit about the ecosystem and kind of paying it forward in that sense. So um, if you can't because of COVID, um, Try and join some seminars um, that are happening and webinars and see how you can connect people through that. Connect the people on on LinkedIn. Um, again, I've had people connect with me that I've never met in person who've just, you know, sent me a note and said, I'm thinking about transitioning. Uh, I'd love to have 30 minutes of your time. Again, not everyone's gonna answer, but I think you'll be surprised by how kind people will be and generous with their time. So yeah you just have to kind of put yourself out there and be a little bit fearless even though you might be putting on a mask you might be like i don't know what i'm saying and i walked into so many meetings with ceos here when i first moved and i was like i don't even know what their company does like i don't get it i was like i'm gonna act like i get it and hopefully look charming and smart and just do it so you have to be a little bit fearless um and put yourself out there yeah
0: yeah I think fearless is probably the word of it all um Mm. putting yourself out there you know getting that face time and also having a level of self-awareness where you understand where you could potentially fit um so I love that as well um but yeah I think this is a great note to end on um great really great advice thank you and I think like I mentioned as well really refreshing because like I said you don't necessarily hear um, someone from your background just saying, you know, I just did it and um, I'm not particularly technical, but I know I can do this and I have the transferable skills to do so as well. So that's incredible. Thank you so much, Annalise. And I guess if anybody wants to get in touch and hear more about Takaro, how can they do so?
1: Yeah, you guys can reach out um, on our website. Okay, we just changed the domain name. It's taraco, so Turaco, so T U R A C O dot insure. Um, You can leave a message, um, or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Again, I'm happy to have conversations with people who are thinking about transitioning. Or, yeah, I'm sitting in the UK, and I don't. I want to come to Kenya, and I don't know how to do it. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure I have all the answers, but I'm happy to uh, have a chat with you guys and and talk about more my background and how I've done it and what we're doing at Teraco. Cause I think we're doing something really cool and we're super people focused and customer focused and every person in our company down to our call center like has to say like their own vision of, of Turaco and what we value. So um, I personally think it's a really cool company and I'm really uh, happy and, and blessed to be part of the people building it. Um, so yeah, check us out on, on our um, website. We're starting to post more on LinkedIn and, and feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Annalise. It's great to have you. Great to talk
1: to you.